I know you're feeling it right now. I know you're feeling it. We are live. We are back in action, ground and pound style on your radio dial from the 49-yard line to the end zone. This is the 49ers Forecast. My name is Jason Fearman, and the show is presented by the Sports Column in conjunction with the 3rd and 3 Podcast. Well, our Niners got off to an upsetting start, to say the least, but there's a very bright light at the end of the tunnel and here to help me break it down is a fellow 49er faithful who's also a former co-host of mine and current host of the 49ers Brawl. That would be Jacob Barner, the football wanderer. Jacob, it's been a while, and I'm so happy to talk to you again. However, I do wish you were under better circumstances, my friend. It's good to hear your voice again, man. I barely recognized it. Yeah, it's a... Uh, yeah. Not the best start, that's for sure. I know we're going to get into it. Um, it was about as sloppy a game as you can expect for no preseason, but it's certainly good to be breaking it down. And like you said, we've got some more games, so there's no need to panic. There isn't. There's no need to panic. You know what? 16 teams won, 16 teams lost, and that doesn't mean that the, all the ones that won are going to the playoffs, obviously. So we know that, and we know that we got plenty of games on the schedule, like you just said, and we got a couple coming up. In New York, in my neck of the woods, or my former neck of the woods, and we're going to get into those games a little bit later. But you know, first, want to start breaking down the games and stuff. But first, I got to ask you, man, really, how is everything going? How's the show? Um, you know, I've had a chance, obviously, to listen to as many as I can, but only so many hours in the day. So, how's everything going, man? Yeah, the show's great. The show's great. Thank you. Um, we've got three of us now on it, so it's myself, it's JD, and it's Cody. Um, they're doing a great job. So. Um, yeah, it's been nice to get into, well, it was nice to get into um, some actual, you know, game previews and, and reviews like me and you used to do, because uh, since, since Dave joined, it's just been off-season. Right. So, you yeah. know, we've just been breaking down kind of like the same stuff, you know. We had the draft, which was a lot of fun to break down. And then after that, it's just been all, you know, COVID and, and training camp breakdown. <laughs> yep. <and laughs> it, it was nice to actually finally get into you know, a game preview again. So, yeah, the show's really, really good. It's um, It's been a lot of fun to do. It's a shame we don't still uh, we don't still have yourself on there. But all in all, it's been really good. But how, how about yourself? Uh, well, first of all, I appreciate that. And uh, listen, I, I don't know how much better I can make the show. You're already on it. So it's, it's gold right there. there. There it is. But you know what? Uh, honestly, doing great. Uh, things worked out. And shout out to my partners on the 33 podcast, which we're doing now. And it's Really all football. We do some NBA, of course, but I got Tricky Nicky G and the real deal Damian Adams on there. The three of us will be back in action actually um, tomorrow night, Wednesday night, and we'll do all the breakdown and recap at the NFL and everything. And that was just kind of chemistry clicking thing. It was nothing that was even supposed to happen. It just kind of came out of nowhere one day, and it's been nothing but fantastic. So when you get – It is. It's great. Right, Jacob? Like like me and you. Like me like the chemistry that we had immediately. It's just like wow, how can you ignore something like that? Exactly. It comes out of nowhere. It really does. It. it really does. So yeah, Damien, Nikki, I love you guys. I really appreciate it. Jacob, I loved working with you. It was a time con- con- constriction thing. It had nothing to do with you and I, as as the audience already knows. And that's why you're on the show, man. And I can't wait to be on yours and I'm glad everything is going great, bro. I, I really am. And hopefully things will be going a little bit better with our 49ers over here. Let's begin into our neighborhood news real quick before we start everything off. Oh, 
people in your neighborhood, in your neighborhood, in your neighborhood, say, say, all right, it wasn't such a wonderful thing, obviously, going on yesterday, not only did we have no Debo, and we're not going to have him for another few weeks, but there was no rookie Brandon Ayuk out there, hopefully he'll make his debut in week two, George Kittle knee sprain, Ah, I don't know what's going on with that, now there's talk about Jacob possibility of bringing in a guy like Mohamed Sanu, who Kyle Shanahan is very familiar with. And, hey, look, I'm on board with that right now. We need bodies, man. We're having problems. Yeah, it was tough. I mean, look, I mean, you look at that receiver core, and you've got a starting set of, of Kendrick Bourne, Dante Pettis, and Trent Taylor. And don't get me wrong, I think, you know, I'm a fan of Kendrick Bourne's um, and, and of Trent Taylor, but you look at that starting set, that's... I mean, that might be a bottom three starting set in the NFL. I mean, the yeah. team is crying out for someone dynamic like Debo uh, that they could they could have some versatile play calls with. And, and truthfully, it's crying out for someone like Ayuk that is kind of that go-to guy. Uh, they talked in training camp so much about how you can just throw the ball to Ayuk and his, his, he's so long that he can pull it in from almost anywhere. And when you look at a lot of the miscues in the game, I mean, there was a lot of balls that were kind of slightly behind. And, you know, these receivers that we had weren't those types of receivers that can put it in from anywhere. Right. And I think, I think that, I think we noticed that, really. Yeah, look, I mean, we know these guys are coming back. It's just a matter of when, hopefully sooner rather than later. Um, you know, maybe we have a little bit of luck on our side going to play the Giants and the Jets in consecutive weeks, even though it's on the road. We played well on the road last year. But with that all being said, yeah, we need some – look, even though we're not a throwing team per se, we need to have the guys out there, even if they're a decoy. So getting Mohamed Sanu – yeah, I, I don't know who else exactly is out there, but, you know, we're going to need to see Dante Pettis and Trent Taylor step up in the meantime. And, you know, we just don't know if we can count on them. And now with Kittle having his issue, you know, I just I just don't know. But, again, we're, we're built on our bread and butter is really running and defense. And the def- defensive line looked good yesterday. Look, we didn't get too many sacks. Um, you know, a guy like Kyla Murray is very hard to – sack anyway to begin with but another guy we're looking at is Ziggy Ansa to bring along that D-line and you know give a little bit more rest to the other guys throughout the season what do you think about that possible signing yeah I mean we saw it earlier in the offseason there was talk about the team ended up going down um, down the Dion Jordan route I mean I don't think the team is is lacking in, in pass rushes really I mean I don't think really there's a there's a down that you want Nick Bosa off the field on, um, but there's certainly a, a case to say that D Ford should be playing less um, early down snaps, and if you want to maybe move Eric Armstead further inside more often, but without having to take without having to put D Ford on the field on first or second down, then answer could be that answer on the edge because on the interior. You know, Kinlaw, I think he had a good game, actually, but in training camp, there's been a lot of reports that he's been up and down, maybe not too consistent. There's DJ Jones in there. But when you look outside of that, there's quite a few, you know, quite a few other players that probably wouldn't be starting normally, like Hyder, that was getting quite a few snaps, actually. So I, I wouldn't be averse to, to someone like Anza coming in. Uh, I think the price has to be right, though. Yeah, definitely. It's going to have to be a, a, a friendly player contract. No doubt about it. You know, to go along with guys like Solomon Thomas, along with all the other guys that you named, no doubt. So 
The defensive line, you know, always seems to be intact. Um, our linebackers did a decent job yesterday, but uh, look, we got ate up by DeAndre Hopkins, which we're going to get into in a second over here. But just to finish out the neighborhood news, you mentioned Javon Kinlaw. He played on half the snaps, so I like to see that. He's getting in the game and getting used to it. I'm very happy with what Trent Williams did uh, yesterday, filling in on the blind side for Jimmy G, where Joe Staley obviously retired. And we needed a guy quickly, and Trent Williams was that guy. And I don't know if we could have replaced anybody better right there. So he did his job. So I'm very happy with uh, with his outcome. And I like what Bosa did. Bosa had, a, you know, he forced the fumble. Uh, the Niners, like I said, had a couple of sacks. But, again, the trouble with the mobile quarterback, like Kyla Murray in our division, like Russell Wilson in our division, who we both have nightmares about, even though I did pick him for uh, – actually, I picked him for MVP this year, Jacob. I know that's sacrilegious, but I think he's finally going to – yeah, I think he's finally going to win one. And look what happened yesterday. But again, still game one. But uh, that that's our big problem right now. And how do we address that? Do we go to a 3-4? Is that is that unheard of? I, I don't know what we do. Do you have an answer? Do you have a thought? You've got to stop playing man coverage against these running quarterbacks, man. I mean, I guess so. I said it, I said it going into, into the game. Like, I want us to play exactly how we played against Lamar last year. You just stay in three. Everybody's eyes are turned inside towards the quarterback. The second you start to play one, unless you've got a QB spy, and even then, I mean, you're you're counting on that QB spy to be able to beat that QB one-on-one. It's really, really tough. And um, I was really hoping we wouldn't play much man coverage. And in fact, when you look at the designed runs that Kyler Murray had, where it was a read option play and he would keep it, the D-line can, can take him very, very well. The issue came on scrambles. The issue came when we were playing man coverage and the touchdown he scored. You can tell everybody's eyes are no longer at Kyler Murray. They're at their threats. They're at the receivers. They're at the running back. And as soon as he sees that, as any good rushing QB does, and not even rushing QBs, you see Tom Brady do it as soon as he sees man coverage and everyone's eyes go away. He just takes off. He goes. And, and it's really tough. It is, it is really tough. And you obviously don't want to only play zone against these teams um, you have to mix it up but I mean it's just a tough assignment anytime you're in that situation well yeah you and I have spoke about this in the past and look being a former defensive back you know just whether it's flag or high school and everything and you know again quarterback on the offensive side but I, I love zone again eyes on the quarterback yes sometimes you may have your little gaps that you're going to give up give things up or whatever but likely you're going to take a hard hit over the middle in those situations so I agree with you. You know, do I love spies? No, not necessarily. So I don't know if that's the answer because you're really taking a player away. But then again, it's keeping an eye on a player who is so just incredible what he's done. I mean, forget about his arm. He ran for 91 yards yesterday in that touchdown that you mentioned. So these are things that not just the 49ers have problems with, but every team has problems with. So, you know, whether it's going, you know, to more linebackers or playing his own there's got to be an answer. They always come up with it, whether it was a wild card gimmick back in the day, uh, a wild cat, excuse me, or whatever. You know, teams always seem to figure this sort of stuff out. But these guys are getting more athletic, and their arms are very accurate. And we're in a really tough division right now. We're going to get to. But just, just to get to some stats, stats of the game, you mentioned Kyler Murray. He threw for 230 yards, a touchdown. He had an interception. The 91 yards I mentioned rushing. With that touchdown, we just can't have that happen because we've seen it before, and when those things do happen, we usually use. But 
DeAndre Hopkins, 14 catches for 151 yards. Forget about it. He didn't have any touchdowns, no problem. But let's concentrate on that just for a second. One guy alone, 14 grabs, Jacob. To me, is not making sense whether you have to have Richard Sherman follow him, whether you have to double him. I, I don't know what it is, but I know our secondary was covered up by our front line a lot last year. But needless to say, we still have some pretty good guys out there. You know, I know Jason Verrett is hurt, but, you know, Emmanuel Mosley, like I mentioned, Sherman, uh, you know, Kwan Williams. What is the deal? How did that guy get so open all the time, all day long yesterday? Well, here's the thing. In the, in the first half, the uh, Sherman did what he always does. He stayed on the left side of the defense. And, and the Cardinals, they basically said, okay, so we know if we want to have Hopkins against your second-choice guy, which is Emmanuel Mosley, a player who you know I've spoken highly on in the past, um, all they have to do is put Hopkins on the left side of the offense, and he's going to be going against Mosley all day. Uh, and he did, and Mosley was often playing seven yards off. And they were just getting the ball into Hopkins' hands quickly. And they just said, get the ball in his hands and go one-on-one. And whether that was a slot, whether that was a quick hitch, or if that was a little comeback, they were, they were just feeding him early and often. And I think we expected them to be fed early and often. But wow, they went to it quickly. Um, and so much so that Sherman then started to travel and started to go with Hopkins just so they could have him on. And I mean, I've got to be honest, he fared no better. I mean, right. it, it, was, it meant that he was on the side he isn't usually on. Now he's a top corner. I'm sure he can play both sides. But there has to be something to be said when you spend 95% of your career on one side and you're suddenly on the other. Like that's just from a muscle memory kind of view. It's going to be tough. And I think at the point where they then started to go man coverage was when they finally went up to go press Hopkins. Um, and that's when Tyler t- uh, Kyler sorry, took off. So they were kind of stuck in this no-man's land where when they wanted to play three, they wanted to play off. And what that did was just give them quick completions to Hopkins. And as soon as they got up there to press and play man, then the suddenly that was when you had your issues with Kyler running. So it was really kind of pick your poison for the Cardinals. And it, it, was, it, was, um, it was tough to view, that's for sure. In fact, I mean, early on when they were getting Hopkins, they were giving him catches, but they weren't giving up big yardage. And I could kind of live with that. You know, I could kind of live with giving him the ball, but we're tackling him straight away. It was later on when I think they started to go a bit more boom or bust. That was when he started to, you know, rip off huge catches. You say he didn't score, but I mean, he got about as close to as he could, being down to the one-yard line. Right. Um, yeah, that was a real, real tough assignment. I think they, they handled it okay at the start. Um, but I think as time went on, it really just started to take its toll. Yeah, that sort of stuff cannot happen again to the 49ers. But looking at it from the Arizona Cardinals' perspective, wow. Look, look at what they got offensively. And the defense, I believe, will feed off of that. I was high on them this year. I didn't have them in the playoffs, Jacob. But I got them around, I think, an 8-8 eight and eight team or even a 9-7 and seven team, something like that, just on the outside. Yeah, this is kind of a scary team, even though their defense isn't great. You know, you got Chandler Jones, you got Hicks, uh, you know, you got a couple of players over there, but they're off. It's almost like watching, I hate to say it, the Chiefs, but it's almost like watching them, watching Kyler Murray scramble around back there. He's got wide receivers to throw the ball to. He's got, a, a you know, a diverse running back in Kenyon Drake who can get the job done. And that's what it's like. It's very hard. To, to attack this guy. It's very hard to catch him when he's scrambling or if he's even just dropping back in the pocket. 
And maybe his height does work to an advantage to him in that way. I don't know. But this whole team is on the rise, and our entire division is on the rise, which I keep teasing. We'll get to in a minute. So that gives us a – the last thing I'll say, though. Yeah, please. Please. This was about as bad, about as sloppy, about as disjointed as we've seen the Niners play, right? It's true. Um, it's, a, it's a kind of like a throwback to the Seahawks game last season, the first one, the, the Atlanta game this year, um, last this time last year. Right. And we lost by four points. You know, we had a chance to win it. We had a very, very good chance to win it at the end. So the thing that kind of makes me not panic too much is that if that's the Niners at their absolute worst, missing their two best receivers, looking that disjointed with some awful but sloppy play, and they still had a chance to win it, and they still only lost by four points. We don't, you know, we there's still a lot to be pretty optimistic about. It's the similar thing we said after the Seahawks lost last season. You know, that was the Niners was twelve drops and almost, you know playing awfully and they still you know only lost by the field goal at the end so right. i think it's it was more it was almost for me it was that the Niners lost that game as opposed to the cardinals you know properly winning it for, from them i mean jimmy was jimmy was was just not great at all um not great at all i mean you look at that that throw to kendrick Bourne at the end that's that's a touchdown for any decent quarterback yes and kendrick Bourne on the stutter go absolutely sells Patrick Peterson. He's wide open in the end zone and the ball is just two yards under thrown and uh, Peterson's able to, to, to get the stop there. That's that you know, that just sh- shouldn't be shouldn't be happening. Um, and so if we can clean up little things like that, I think we'll be absolutely fine. Yeah, and th- those are the kind of things that make you ill. Like even watching the Detroit Lions yesterday, if anybody saw the Lion game against the Bears. Oh, goodness. Yeah, he's got to be the sickest man in America right now. I, that That's that's tough. Oh, gosh, that is tough. But, you know, he'll be back again. It's one game. You know, his teammates were there for him, no doubt. And, and like you said, just to add on to your point, you know, you know, to piggyback off what you said, that's why I said there's a light at the end of the tunnel because we played a terrible game and only lost by four points. And you know what else? The Cardinals were 50% on third down where the Niners were 18% on third down yeah. and still only lost by that much. So a lot of bad Niners, but again, I attribute a lot of that, Jacob, to our a lot of starters not being there on the offensive side. First game, you know, Jimmy G's not the greatest quarterback in the world. The Cardinals did get three sacks. I still like what our offensive line is doing, so I'm not going to freak out. And while you're right, Jimmy G didn't have a great game. His stats look pretty decent. He was 19 out of 33 for 259, I think he had, and two touchdowns. So his stats look good. But you know what? A lot of that Jacob was on that 76-yard touchdown pass to Raheem Mostert, right? Yeah, 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 on a little Texas route. And Raheem really did most of it. I think a lot of it for me was, like, when you're missing someone like Ayuk that you can throw it to, up to, when you're missing Debo, the ball needs to be on point. You need to make it as easy as possible for these receivers that are standing in at the moment. Correct. And there was just a few times where the ball was slightly behind them. Um, it was, you know, it was a second too late, uh, and and DBs were then able to make make a play. And I think you just Jimmy needs to sit, needed to just see things a little bit quicker 
I mean, it just screamed of we've had no preseason and these guys have not been playing all together properly. It did. It did. You're right. And Arizona, I think, came in there with a lot more hype. And you know what? There's no home field advantage, you know, wherever you are, really, except for the formality, you know, being familiar with the field and things like that. But, yeah, just to close out the, the Niners offense real quick, our leading wide receiver was Kendrick Bourne. He had two catches for 34 yards. That's bad news. Kittle had four receptions for 44 yards. He's a tight end, different story. And most of it with that big reception. But the three running backs that we have are three-headed monster running back, you want to call it now, Mostert, McKinnon, and Coleman. They were held collectively, Jacob, under 100 yards. So why weren't we able to run against a team that we should have been running all over like we did last year? The thing is, I mean, last season, this is a team that – that did manage to stop the run. I mean, the second game, the stats, or the first game, sorry, the stats looked like we ran all over them, but that was when we were winning and we were just icing the game. You look at the second game, I mean, I think the, the running backs combined for something like 30 yards or something. Well, that's true. You're right. Jimmy's hands. You're right. You're right. That's why he, yeah, Jimmy was so successful against them last year. And, you know, they were more into the groove. They played them more mid-season and late-season, so they were in their groove. But they were still close games against the Cardinals last year. And that's oh, yeah. why, yeah, that's why I had, I had fear going into this one. I really did. I was scared yeah, going absolutely. into this game. I really was. Look, I want to talk about a few players with you, all right? So I want to take a really, really quick break over here. We're going to come back in 60 seconds. Jarek McKinnon is back. I want to talk about him. I want to talk about the NFC West, which I alluded to. So we still got a little bit more to talk about with Jacob Bonner, the football wanderer over here, my former partner. Actually, he'll always be my partner, just my former co-host right there. That's it. All right, so you guys are listening to the 49ers forecast along with the 49ers brawl. My man, Jacob, 60 seconds, right back at you. Yes, yes, indeed. You are live back on the 49ers forecast. My name, Jason Fearman, on Twitter at Sports Profit Long. One, along with my partner over here for the day, the guest of honor, Jacob Barner, the football wanderer, helping me out breaking down the 49ers' unfortunate loss, but a look ahead to bigger and better things absolutely coming. Jacob, so far, I want to thank you so much for being on the show with me. It's been too long. And I appreciate it, man. And I'm especially missing that English accent. I'm loving that it's back. (laughs) Thank you for having me, bro. It's a pleasure. Uh, It's great to be with you, man. It really is. So we were really kind of closing out the 49er game over here. Um, Tough loss. Again, we attribute a lot of it to not having our offense out there. Debo, a guy who can not only catch the ball, but take the end arounds, you know, make a mess out of your defense, not knowing where you're going. But we did see the return of a player that – Hasn't been around for a couple of years that we got from the Vikings, played for a short time with the Lions, and that was Jarek McKinnon. So he finally started to get into the game a bit and looked so happy to be out there. And you know what? Got into the end zone. I- I'm so happy for Jarek McKinnon, and I expect a lot more of him coming this season. Yeah, I, I, it was good to see him back. You know, there's what, two years um, that he's missed. Had himself a non-contact injury on the final play of walkthroughs in the off-season two years ago. I mean, there's nothing more heartbreaking. And this is the first 
That's right. We've just never got, we've never got to see him in action. It's been such a shame. And, and since then, obviously, so much has happened. So, you know, Kevin Coleman's been brought in. Matthew Moster has, has shown himself to be almost a star running back in this team. So, you know, we weren't really unsure of what Jeremy Kennedy's role was going to actually be. I was pretty happy with how many snaps that we got to see from him. He, um, as you said, got the end zone. Would have had a, probably would have had a rushing touchdown as well as Dante Pettis was um, half half asked about blocking. Yeah. Definitely would have got in there, that's for sure. Um, but it was just nice to see him out there. It was nice to see him catching the ball out the out the backfield. Adds another dimension. I know Raheem Mostert had, had a nice long receiving touchdown, um, but McKinnon really just I think gives you a whole other dimension to that backfield, and suddenly you're in a in a position where you can have you know Mostert and McKinnon in the backfield. You can have Coleman and McKinnon, Coleman and Moster, add Juice, Juice check into the mix there. And yes. I mean, you just have no idea what's going on with this offense if you're a defensive player, well, you know, looking at a pre snap. Absolutely right. And that's my point. And you and, you and I talked about it, you know, for, for months, you know, uh, you know, leading up to the Super Bowl, how what we do pre snap and all the movement and everything like that. It, it, that's what makes us. And you know what? Having those three guys in the backfield when Debo gets back. All that confusion they can cause, forget about it. We're going to be explosive. So that's why Jacob and I are not freaking out about the 49ers losing to the Arizona Cardinals, who are on the uptick this year, especially getting DeAndre Hopkins in week one in a game that we played sloppy, really sloppy. And speaking of sloppy, you know, we still got three and a half minutes to get down the field and score a touchdown because we needed it down by four against Arizona. And we couldn't accomplish that. And I'm also wondering why is it the play calling? Is it the execution toward the end of the game? Or was it just, you know what, we're not ready for the moment? I think, I mean, I put a fair bit of it down to uh, down to Jimmy. You know, so there was a couple of plays there where if the ball is thrown a second earlier, it's a completion. Um, the play calling to me didn't seem to be an issue. Um, there's also a couple of plays, to be fair, give the Cardinals their credit where you look out of it and you look at it from the quarterback's perspective and there was no one to throw to. There was yeah. no one to throw to. They did a good job of covering. Now, it's not the best receivers out there. And let's face it, you know, Kittle came back into the game, but he didn't have a second-half target. You know, there's a question of whether was he back in the game or was he back in the game for the for the purposes of distracting the defense, getting the decoy out there. Exactly. Somebody I really wish we saw more of, actually, was Jordan Reed. You know, this guy yes. was a legit receiving threat. And if he is back to his health, maybe maybe he's not 100% healthy, I don't know. But it sounded in training camp like he was. Now, if he is, and we've got the receiving set that we had out there, let's get two tight ends out there instead. I mean, how about that as a, as a, if you're a Cardinals defender, you know, it got to the point where they were just doubling George Kittle. Suddenly you throw Jordan Reed out there, that's not an option. So I'd love to see more Jordan Reed. It's not about you. Okay, well, you read my mind because I was thinking that and saying the same exact thing, you know, last week. I was saying because, of the, you know, we're not going to have Debo and, and Brandon Ayuk, we're going to see a lot more two tight end sets. And I thought Charlie Warner was going to get going to get in the game a lot more. I was expecting big things out of him. He's a big dude. But, yeah, George, when you talk about Reed, like, this is a veteran who's been in the NFL for a while. They were raving about him in training camp and how excited he was and how he wanted to be on this team and win a Super Bowl. You're 100% right. Why not go to those two tight end sets, even get Kyle Juszczyk more involved? We still have three healthy running backs. We still should have got the job done. But again, like you said, 
major sloppiness all over the place. I don't expect much of that going forward. We're going to talk about the Giant game coming up and the Jet game coming up actually first before that. So we're going to stay in the Northeast. But before we go there, let's stay in the West, the NFC West and the two other teams that played yesterday. Um, well, actually, yeah, both get, I'm um, sorry, on Sunday, excuse me, the Seahawks and the Rams. First with Seattle. Yes, I picked Russell Wilson as the MVP. I don't want to, but I'm just trying to go with my mind and not my heart over here. He looked great, four touchdowns. Atlanta's always the team you don't know what you're going to get out of, but here's the deal. Now they got Jamal Adams with safety, along with Bobby Wagner in the middle at linebacker. We know they have a tough uh, defensive line. Dude, I'm more scared of Seattle now than I was just two weeks ago with the addition of Jamal Adams on defense. Yes, yeah, Seattle's a funny one. I mean, you look at their season last year, uh, they won, I believe, just one game by more than seven points. Now, typically, you would say teams that teams that win loads of games by less than seven points, it's such a small margin of victory in the NFL that a lot of that comes down to luck. And if you look over time, it's so many of those teams just regress the following year and they're not as good. This is something I was kind of expecting to happen with the Seahawks. I mean, they were scraping past teams like the Bengals, uh, like the Steelers. Let's forget. Let's remember the Steelers were not the team that they were two years ago at right. that time. Um, and that was with Russell Wilson playing at an MVP level. That's why I like your MVP bet, because I think the only way they continue and they can win the division is for Russell to play like an MVP all season. Now, the question is, were all those close games luck? Or is Russell just that clutch? And I'm a little bit scared that it's the latter and not the former. And that Russell is just that clutch. It's, it's a tough one. Uh, I, I, I wasn't as scared of them going into this season after watching that game. But if Russell can keep playing like that, they, they've got a very good chance. Jamal Adams had a great start to his Seahawks career, that's for sure. And when you look at that, I mean, they threw the ball, I believe, more the highest percentage of anybody in the league. This is a team that's typically run the ball more than they've passed the ball for the last few years. So right. They've got this little change in identity, and they can throw this ball consistently. I know they really like the, uh, the second-year receiver, DK Metcalf. They can turn him into a straight number one receiver. This could, unfortunately, be a bit of a scary team. Oh, absolutely. I'm with you on DK Metcalf. I actually, just for fantasy purposes, I drafted him in half the leagues that I did because I think he's going to be a monster and be that number one uh, for Seattle. There's no doubt. And again, Russell Wilson, the things that he can do, obviously, we just know there are, there are things to be scared about with this team right now. And they were just on point. I mean, even Greg, uh, you know, Greg Olson getting in the end zone. Look, Chris Carson, their running back, he scored twice, but they were on passes. They were on passing. I mean, so they're so dynamic. And, again, that's why Russell Wilson, I believe, being the MVP this year because he's, again, going to carry that offense. But their offense now is a little bit better, and their defense got better. So now I'm a little scared of Seattle, a little more than I was before. We're always scared of them, but they look really good right now. Again, it was an Atlanta team who is just demised on defense. I mean, they're they're pathetic. So we'll see what happens when they get into a little bit of the tougher games. But the Rams were a team that I said – I don't know, coin flip, and then getting closer to the season, I'm starting to think, well, if they can run the ball with one of these three guys, whether it's Henderson, Cam Akers, or, or Malcolm Brown, they can get something done because Brandon Cooks and Cooper Cup can still play ball, and they got the two tight ends that if they want with Everett and Tyler Higby. Defensively, you got Jalen Ramsey, who may have gotten away with a little one yesterday, a couple of days ago, 
with the arm flab over there. Um, that's possible. That was a really good game against Dallas and the L.A. Rams, but the Rams are going to be even better than I expected also, it looks like. We're in a tough division. Big time. I, I'm high on the Rams. Uh, if you go read my NFC West season preview, I had them finishing above Seattle. I think they've been overwritten off. I think people looked at what happened in the offseason, and they looked at this team and said, oh, they lost Todd Gurley. How much was Todd Gurley on the field last year? And when he was, how effective was he? I don't think it's a huge loss. They signed a great rookie in Cam Akers, who maybe didn't have the best stats in college, but that's because he was behind a terrible offensive line. But, you know, he still managed to ball out considering the situation. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not in love with Goff as a quarterback. I think their receivers and tight ends are very, very good. Um, and defensively, I think they're still very, very good. The biggest thing for me is they've still got Sean McVay, and he is one of the best adjustment head coaches in the NFL for me. You look at the first Niners game and the second Niners game, um, and it was like it's like night and day. You know, McVay was able to adjust so much to that. He did the same thing during the Seattle game. And, you know, people talk about how close the Niners and Seahawks were last year, and it's very true. I mean, that, that Dre Greenlaw tackle were, what, an inch away from Seattle winning the division. Right. But what we don't talk about is the fact that because of tiebreakers, if the Rams didn't miss a 30-yard field goal, in Seattle in week five, the Rams would have been in the playoffs instead of the Seahawks. It was that close. It was about as close as can be as a chip shot field goal miss. Wow. Um, yeah, we were talking about the Rams as though they were, they'd fallen completely off and had this horrendous Super Bowl hangover. And we talked about the Seahawks like they were a potential Super Bowl contender. It was tight. All three teams, it was very, very tight. And also, let's not forget, we've got the new playoff system, a seventh team in each conference. Yep. If we'd have had that last year, the Rams would have been in. So I like this Rams team, and it worries me even more after the poor night of the start. I know so I'm not panicking, but that's another legit team in this division. Yep, yep. We're the uh, only ones over there at 0-1. But you know what? Yeah, uh, with the Rams also, uh, despite the uniforms, you know, looking pretty good. It was a 2017 victory, but... Um, yeah, man, I, I don't know. that. Did, look, Aaron Donald, man, he is ridiculous. He pushes two, three people around at a time. I mean, that's why that defensive line opens up so much. He truly is worth the pay that they're giving him and probably even more. That's how important he is to that defense. So, yeah. You see what he did to Zeke? Oh, my God. Oh, my Lord. Right, right. Unreal. Unreal. Really is, man. I'm telling you, re- really unreal. That guy is an absolute beast. He's a monster. And, you know, everybody's giving the NFC South, oh, best division in football. No, look at the NFC West, man. This is the best division in football. These teams are tough. They're going to give teams a fit that are outside of their division and conference. Wow, it, it, it's going to be a lot. And, again, we both expect more from the 49ers to close this out in the next couple of minutes over here, Jacob. So we go on the road for the next couple of games. We got the Jets. Thank God. And then we got the Giants also. Uh, the Giants, I actually do like, despite their mediocre performance, if you even want to call it that, Monday night against Pittsburgh. But um, they can throw the ball. So look what Arizona did throwing the ball. Look what Daniel Jones can do with the receivers like Sterling Shepard and um, what's his name who keeps uh, uh, Darius Slayton. And yeah. if Golden Tate comes back or whatever it may be. So that could be a little bit scary also. Then you got Saquon Barkley. So the Giants are no, you know, they're no pushover, but 
they're a team I think that we should beat. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you're, you're right. They're no joke. I mean, Daniel Jones can run, and, and how many times do we need to talk about running quarterbacks against the Niners? Um, Saquon, mm. I mean, I was just so impressed with the Steelers defense last night. Wow. Shut down Saquon Barkley. But Dupree, I mean, the Giants, you know, they were just doing their thing, you know, leave the backside end un- uncovered. Um, and you get a free block almost, but not when you're Bud Dupree and you were chasing it down. I mean, the the, the, the issue that the Giants had there was that Daniel Jones was never faking the read option. So he was just giving it to Barkley, and, and it was so obvious that there was no chance Jones was keeping it that Dupree could just fly down that edge. Good call. Uh, and, and that was it. If, if you had Daniel Jones there, like a little option, just to uh, just to freeze the brief for a second, because if he if he does fly down like that, you just keep it and you go. And Daniel Jones can run, so yeah, I think this is trying to see. Look, this it should be two wins. Let's put it that way. It should be. Um, the Niners obviously benefit from doing the back to back. That's one thing the Seahawks. That's the only team in the NFC West the Seahawks don't have is they don't do back to back East Coast trips. They have to go. They have to go multiple times. So mm. the Niners get a little benefit there. The Jets, I mean, offensively, the Niners should have, um, sorry, against the Jets' offense, the Niners should have no issues. But the Jets have got a legit run defense. They've got a legit run defense. They always they have them for the past couple of years, um, and that was without Bosa. So you bring him back into the mix now, that's going to be a tough one. So it could be uh, another game where this could be, you know, Jimmy's redemption, because the ball will probably have to be in his hands if they shut down. Most uh, McKinnon and Coleman is going to have to be look, Jimmy. It's your time. You know, it's time to make up for week one. I'm with you, man. And you know, I think that we're going to start start seeing a lot more screens, a lot more running back screens. Um, you know, out of Jarek McKinnon again, who's very athletic when he gets the ball. They're going to keep it short like they always do because they don't really have a guy who can take the top off the ball. Trent Taylor's five foot one, and you know, so they're not really worried about him going down the field, but. Um, yeah, I'm with you. They should be the Giants. The Giants' defense is kind of a joke. You know, I don't want to say that, even though they looked good for about a quarter against Pittsburgh last night, but that's when Ben was kind of trying to feel himself out and get it together. And then we saw what happened. So I expect us to be able to score, no doubt. But again, I'm just I'm very worried about the secondary over here. Now, granted, DeAndre Hopkins, I think he's the best wide receiver in the NFL, Jacob. Um, yeah, but the Jets and Giants don't have a guy like anyway. Right. Right, exactly. So we're not going to have to worry that much. But I just want to get back to ground and pound, play that tough defense, all right, and and not get beat, you know, not get beat in the secondary, you know, the way that we could have and the way that, you know, letting up these short passes, that can turn into big games. So defense got to work on things a little bit. So does the offense. But, again, the main thing is health. We got to have that. So let these players get healthy while we have a little bit of a – little bit of a favorable yeah, schedule. The practice squad, I mean, yeah. How about, bringing, how about bringing Kevin White off the practice squad? Yeah. You know, we're missing a deep threat. We're missing a big body guy that can go up and get it. He obviously had issues staying healthy, but it seems like he's healthy now. This guy was drafted seventh overall. So that's right. Right now, I mean, maybe he's just not there with the offense yet. It's not the easiest offense to understand and come in straight away. Um, but I, I would love to see him activate off the practice squad. We've got the extra spot with Debo on IR now. It'd be, um, I would love to see if he can just give us another dimension. I know another one people have mentioned is Mohamed Sanu. Right. You know, it was it was no secret that last year that was who the Niners really wanted. They wanted Sanu um, 
over Emmanuel Sanders. Um, the price tag was too steep. It was a second-round pick. And I said, no, we're going to go with Emmanuel Sanders for a fourth. And obviously now, Sanuri's out of job. Sanders is, is, you know, was still coveted by the Niners in the off-season. So if is now somebody that is available and we can get cheap, I mean... You, you take Sanu over any of our starters right now. Oh, no doubt. As long as Sanu will go after Antonio Brown, then, you know, I'll be fine with that. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you mentioned – Yeah, right, seriously. God. You mentioned Kevin White real quick. You know, it's, we, we picked him up. You know, we signed him in a day, and we're like, all right, you know, you're kind of like out of here or go sit, you know, on the bed. we'll figure it out with you. So, you're right. He was drafted in the first round for a reason. Now, there are a lot of busts in the first round. But you know what? I want to see him on the playing field, at least right now. We can use him. We can use a lot of bodies out there and shuffle around and see what happens in these next couple of weeks until our big guys do get back and healthy. So I'm really looking forward to seeing that. Jacob, I'm really looking forward to hearing your next show. It's been a great time hanging with you. I want everybody to know when your next show is, where they can find you, all that good stuff, man, because you do an amazing, amazing job. But when I say that for real – Jacob really gets in-depth with the 49ers, as you heard here on the 49er forecast. He knows his stuff. He studies. The guy's been to every stadium in the world. He's amazing. Jacob, let him know where it's at, bro. I appreciate it, buddy. Yeah, over on the 49ers Brawl, that's on Twitter, at 49ers Brawl. Same on Instagram, and 49ers Brawl podcast on Facebook. We had a review reaction show just go out yesterday. We're going to film our preview show. Uh, in a couple of days, that should be out by Friday. So if you want to ca- catch us previewing the Jets game, we're going to be breaking it all down. Myself, JD, and Cody, we're going to be breaking that all down. That should be out by Friday. Uh, if you want to follow myself on Twitter, it's at JBBFootball. I'll be posting all the podcasts on there, so you won't miss a thing if you do that. Um, but yeah, that's all, that's, all, that's all for me. I appreciate you having me on, Jason. Excellent, Jacob. Thank you, man. Listen, the pleasure was all mine. And again, here from the uh, 49ers forecast, uh, I'll be with uh, Nikki and Damien on 3rd and 3 podcast tomorrow night, getting you ready for the Thursday game and all the weekend games. And we'll recap what happened in week one, all our bets, fantasy, all that good stuff. But for now, 49ers forecast, we are out. Jacob, once again, can't thank you enough for taking time out today, man. Dropped a lot of knowledge on the people, and I know they're listening. So much appreciated, bro. Appreciate the time. Anytime, brother. All right. For now, 49ers forecast. We are out. We'll see you in a couple of days.